looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Chris, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today, my man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on and uh, second, second time beyond. So excited yeah. to chop it up with you. You definitely second time around. And this time we're talking about something a little different. So before we were talking about how you left your, you know, your job or leaving your job, going to flipping full time. And, and now you've entered the world of uh, self-storage. And we definitely wanted to talk about that. I saw you put some great posts up about that. And so I shot you a message. I was like, hey, brother, let's get you back on and talk about this. Um, so for those of you that for those of those that didn't listen to the first episode you're on, why don't you just take a few minutes and introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, uh, my name is Chris Lawrence. I'm a full-time real estate investor in, in Rochester, New York. Um, from 2010 to, to 2020, I uh, did sales for, for 10 years. Uh, and then the last few years there, started uh, dabbling in you know, single-family flips, you know, wholesaling, rentals. Um, then 2020, uh, kind of went all in, pushed the chips all in and uh, left the, the sales job and, and started doing some flips and you know, had really good traction with that. And it's... Um, you know, really, you know, once I had proof of concept, you know, you can do a few flips, make 20, 30, 40, 50 grand, which is great, you know, kind of fast forward to now I kind of am pivoting to, as you mentioned, in the self-storage, just a more scalable uh, kind of economies of scale, uh, you know, hit some roadblocks and just kind of, I guess, uh, hurdles with, with doing, you know, three, four projects going on at once and just wasn't getting where I was wanting to, wanting to go fast enough. So, uh, made the pivot into self-storage and, and still dabbling and kind of cherry picking some, uh, you know, single family, you know, rentals, flipping and wholesaling, that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, the flipping game to me, it always made me kind of nervous because it's a lot about timing, timing the market. You know, uh, if you get into a project, maybe the market could fluctuate material costs, labor costs, all that. There's a lot of unknowns versus I know you do some single family rentals, like you were saying, and uh, those are more steady. Those are more predictable. And then you, you kind of moved into scaling into self-storage. So take a few minutes to talk to us about where did the idea of self-storage come from? You know, it, it's not related to single families at all. So how did you make that pivot, so to speak? Yeah, so I got, I had exposure when I was a young young kid, my, my dad's best friend owned some storage. So kind of had some exposure at a young age. Um, and then I guess really the aha uh, hit with me last, uh, end of, uh, 2020, uh, beginning of this year, um, just hit a, a home run of a, a, what's called a burr. So buy, rent, refinance, rehab, repeat, all that sort of stuff. And, um, just dawned on me. It's like, you know, I bought it for a hundred, put 40 into it, appraised for like 230 or 240 had 80 to a hundred thousand dollars in equity, you know, great property. So nothing to be ashamed of by any means hit cash flow goals. But I just realized like, this is a home run and I need to do, I need like 20 or 30 of the 20 or 30 of these to kind of hit my, my residual income. And I just couldn't do it fast enough for kind of my, and live the lifestyle that I wanted. So I'm like, I, I need to find an asset class that I can um, kind of grow quickly. And, and fast forward, I, I joined a mastermind, you know, kind of had some, some, uh, I guess, basic in, info and, and insight into so, storage. So I joined a mastermind, started just soaking up information and then kind of went all in to, to storage for um, four to five months. Um, and then I was able to, you know, land a, a really awesome up deal and 
uh, back close November 1st, you know, one deal, I'm at my financial freedom number. So it's a life-changing purchase and just kind of checked all the boxes. Yeah, definitely. And something you said was, you know, you did a home run of a bar deal, but you realized you needed to do X amount of these to hit those numbers. And that's tough. So that scale method, uh, economies of scale as well. And that's kind of a lot of people on the show were DJ and myself. We're like, we can't do this with a bunch of small properties. We need to scale this. And that is where we came into apartments. And we'd love to diversify one day into self-storage. We've actually um, put offers on self-storage facilities before. Um, that mastermind uh, storage rebellion, Mike Wagner, he's been a guest on the show. Great guy, super down to earth. And, and really, um, he has a particular uh, business plan in mind when he goes with these properties. So um, you pivoted, you started to do some research, you joined a mastermind to kind of hold you accountable and build up some network. So talk to us about your first deal. Um, where was it? What did the numbers look like? And we can dig into the nitty gritty a little bit more. Yeah. So it's, um, it's just South of, uh, Buffalo, uh, South of Fredonia. It's, it's in, uh, Jamestown, New York. Um, yeah. So, uh, owner owned it 20 years, just kind of had been, you know, looking to retire, um, was his baby took really good care of it. Um, just, you know, kind of this one checked the boxes from like the value add levers. Like it was a hundred percent full, um, r- rates were, were lower, um, room to expand, um, and it just kind of through learning, it, it kind of checked all the boxes and like kind of, you know, from what he was looking to get, you know, we we're able to buy it for 2 million. Um, and then, you know, just based on a cap rate, you know, we're buying it right around a 10 cap, which is a, a you know, really good opportunity for us. And then again, we can, can build this thing out. It, it's 40,000 square feet. So it has the economies of scale there. Um, and then we'll be able to potentially, you know, double the size and, and through our mar- market research it, in that area. Um, it's like 70,000 to hundred thousand square foot of storage shortage. So, and all the other competitors are full too. So. Yeah. So, uh, it sounds like a really, uh, great deal. I love some of those numbers. How, how'd you find the thing? Yeah. So this was, um, cold calling. So it was like, you know, kind of luck fate. I'm a big, uh, law of attraction guy, but this was kind of like what, what we needed and what we wanted. And, it was my fifth cold call, just kind of right place, right time, um, built rapport with the seller, went down and back a handful of times um, before I even had it under contract, but just kind of, you know, got got in the living room, so to say, and, and built the relationship and there was other competition. But at the end of the day, the owner just felt like I'd carry on what he built and we were able to to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, that that relationship piece is key. Uh, you know, we, we thought about going in directly to owners in the multifamily space, the markets we were at, but the problem with the larger markets we were at where these brokers were marketing machines. And if we tried talking to anyone, they already talked to them. They've already added value to them. They've already built a relationship with them. So kind of let them do their thing. But when you're talking a smaller market like that, where you can really just build a relationship, there's not a crazy amount of competition, but uh, the seller was obviously comfortable with you. You went and got in front of them a few times. So that's, that's huge. Um, so you mentioned about 40,000 square feet of storage, uh, any climate control or all just normal and how many units were in the facility? Yeah. So it's, it's all just uh, drive up self-storage. Um, I think it's roughly right around 330 units. Uh, and then we're going to be adding, I think roughly another 80 units or two uh, 30 by 150 buildings in the spring. Um, and what, what's really crazy and impactful is just being able to increase the value 
um, from a cap rate standpoint, you know, just by adding, you know, like increasing the rate rate, it's called rate management. So increasing the rates by we've already increased by $20. But when you do $20, like that's our street rate. So we've increased like 30 40%. But when we do that increase internally with our legacy customers, it doesn't sound like a lot. But when you do $20 or $15 times 330 units, I mean, that's like an extra 40 or $50,000. And not to mention you're increasing the value by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, let, let's do that real quick. So you're saying $40,000 of additional income, is that on an annual basis? Yeah, so we're gonna, hold on, I'll, so we're gonna increase, let's like kind of give you the real, so we're gonna increase $15 times. Uh, yeah, so an extra, you know, five grand a, a month um, okay. additional revenue. So let's look at that 5,000 times 12, that's 60,000 divided by your 10 cap. If you were to use the 10 cap, maybe you could get even a little lower. That's $600,000 in additional value right there. I mean, that's yeah. huge. And <laughs> let, let's say you could resell or get it revalued at an eight cap, so to speak, because maybe that's a little bit more of the market rates. Maybe you got 10% because mm -hmm. that was a deal. Um, you know, you're talking $750,000 in additional value. So there's a big old burr right there. You can take out a lot of yeah. cash and you're good to go. Right. And that's, you know, that's at 40,000 square feet and we're planning on potentially doubling this. And once you get to a certain size, then you attract these REITs, which I'm not saying we would want to sell, but you know, you it's an option. It's an exit plan. And they're buying at four and five caps, you know, so it's just an option down the road. You know, if we just have options and it's just, just a, yeah, an awesome opportunity and so grateful for it for sure. Talk, talk to us about the acquisition financing. Was this a, a seller finance deal? Did you go get bank debt, credit union? What'd you guys do to leverage this property? Yeah, so we were in the beginning, we were going to do, it's like, I don't know the name of it, but it's, uh, it was like a, a, a small local bank and an SBA blend. Uh, we were going to do that. And then we were kind of in the, the 11th hour. And what happened is they, we now know that you can't do price allocation, or at least with this specific bank. So it would have kind of pigeonholed us into like, hey, we're, we're it's a, it's appraised at 850,000, we're buying it for 2 million. We wanted a real property allocate 1.2, they wouldn't let us. So then we're like, we just can't expose ourselves to that much tax increase. So, so long story short, we were gonna go SBA bank kind of blend hybrid. Yep. We ended up just buying it cash for the 2 million. And then we're actually in the process of, we had a pre-approval for the refi, um, you know, with, with the bank at 80% uh, LTV. So um, we're looking to, to get that that uh, actually closed in the 10-year the fixed rate <laughs> fixed because rates, uh, you know, hopefully don't go up too much, but they seem to be, you know, a little, you know, fluctuating a little bit, but uh, yeah, sure. so bank financing. Yeah. And there's a lot of uncertainties. Like for example, you know, being a, a broker over here in central New York, I work with a lot of investors and one of the main local credit unions we use, we do a bunch of business with them. Um, they're not giving out uh, 10 year fixed rates anymore. They're only doing five year because uh, they're a little nervous that they don't want their portfolio to be uh, compressed, so to speak, in this low interest rate locked in if interest rates start to increase. So something we're seeing, so like you were saying, it's fluctuating. Um, $2 million cash plus closing costs. Do you guys, was that personal funds, if you don't mind me asking? Is that investor funds? How did that look? Yeah, that was my funds and, and my business partner's funds. So I have a awesome. business partner that I'm 50-50 with. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the the, the financial guy. And then slowly, once we get more, he'll be shifting over to full-time in the business. 
and I'm, you know, kind of the, the boots on the ground knowledge, kind of networking, that sort of stuff and providing the opportunity. Um, so yeah, so we, we were able to, to, to knock it down with cash. So for that refinance that you guys are looking to do with that 80% LTV, are you hoping that value is going to come in greater than the 2 million or are you holding off for the expansion or are you fine if it comes into the 2 million to get that 80% back in your pocket? Yeah. So we kind of did a little backwards. So we already have it appraised. So it appraised at 2 million 40, um, you know, with that, the, the current old rates um, and then 2 million, you know, 300 with the, the building expansion. Um, but we know like, like currently right now, I think we, we generate like 25, five a month, but I, I believe we can take it to 32, you know, five in that neighborhood, just kind of where we're at just by increasing the value. So the, the, the plan is um, later to, to keep on adding, you know, add maybe four, six, eight buildings, and then do a, a kind of a cash out refi, pull all of our money out. And essentially we done right, we should have no money into the deal and infinite cash on cash return. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great model. And a good indicator that DJ and I, we also look at too, is if you have super high occupancy, like you're saying this facility was 100% occupied, that's a great indicator that your uh, your rents are too low. You, you kind of want to fluctuate around that 95, 96, 97% um, because your rents are a little bit higher. If you're always at the 100%, you, you kind of know you're undercharging and that's a great, great opportunity here. So for value add, obviously one of them is uh, increase the rates. Uh, the second one is uh, building some additional buildings, some additional units to the facility. Is there anything else you guys are going to implement or would you say those are the two big ones? Yeah, so it, it's that, you know, we're kind of bringing it, you know, like I said, the owner did a great job, like it's a great facility, but we're just kind of bringing it up to the 21st century. Like it had no website, you know, no kind, you know, social presence. So we're kind of implementing that, um, you know, which is, you know, just automating it. We'll be putting, you know, like I said, cameras, gating the whole property, putting an automated gate in so we can tie in with our, our management system. Um, you know, and just, yeah, to your point with the hundred being hundred percent full, it means we're not charging enough. And essentially we're a target store with no, we're a retail business. So we're like a target with no inventory to sell. So it's like, you want to be around that 90 to 95% occupancy. And um, for example, like we were able to, we've increased price, I think right around 30% or a little more. So we've you know, increase, I think around $20, you know, per, you know, like say 10 by 10, we're, we're charging $20 more, we're charging a $20 lock and setup fee. And then we're requiring our tenants to use tenant protection. So we're just kind of checking all those levers, adding that value. And the, the customers are, are, aren't really batting an eye. And, you know, it's almost like if, if grandma wants to store her stuff in our storage facility with Christmas lights, she'd be willing to pay, you know, X price. But if someone is coming in, like in our case from Texas, everyone else was full. So he's going to be willing to pay more and we're providing value. It's not like we're taking advantage of people. It's it's just supply and demand. And currently we're, we're kind of out of wax. We're kind of just throttling those numbers up to see where the, the sweet spot is for sure. Yeah. Chris, did you say there was any climate control in this one? Nope. Th this is all just um, drive up just, storage, okay. no climate. Gotcha. So uh, what about employees? Are you totally, uh, I'll say, kiosk driven or is there employee storefront any of that so there is an office uh, so now my business partner and i once a week so i'll be there twice twice a month he'll be there twice a month um we just kind of go we're learning you know learning the business um so th there's no employees right now we're answering the phones um just kind of doing some of the boots and ground work but starting like probably january february we'll, we'll hire out a call center uh we'll hire out a boots on the ground um and then really it's 
yeah, like it, right now I'm probably spending five to 10 hours a week, just kind of the operations of the business. And that, right. That's what's it, so, yeah. 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 And I, I, I love that. I think, you know, like you're saying, you're diversifying into an asset class, sort of really learn that asset class and, and put in the time that you guys are doing. What about right now? Does the current owner have any employees there? Is he, you know, again, kiosk if somebody wants to set up a new uh, storage unit? Yeah. So the, the current owner when or the old owner, when he was there working, he he kind of was there nine to five, Monday through Friday, Saturday. Um, but with our management system, it's like people can run online, they can run online anywhere. And then we use what's called the DaVinci lock. Um, so really it's like, if you were to go on order storage, you just pay the credit card, you'll get a move in packet, you know, you'll be able to move in whenever you want. So it's pretty much hands off, you know, if there's the occasional phone call or someone that wants to pay over the phone or whatever, but yeah, that's, that's the, the beauty of it. No, no toilets and electric right. and right. just a garage door with a lock, you know, and, and lean laws. <laughs> Now the expansion that you're doing, uh, we start talking market. You're, you know, we know right now that the place is full because the rates are great. Uh, in terms of any market research that you did, how do you know this this facility will continue to thrive at the higher rates or with the expanded number of units? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, so when doing our research and buying this, you know, you do what's called like a radius search. So one, three and five mile. Um, and just for kind of example sake, this, you know, there's, they say that seven to eight square foot of, of storage per person per capita. So when you do that formula um, in this area, in our, in our radius, um, we're 70 to hundred thousand square foot of storage short. Um, all the other competitors are full. Um, I think that kind of answered the one question. And the, the other question was, how do we know the rates? I guess we don't really know what the top is, but I know since we've increased and steadily bumped the rates, people have been renting and, you know, it's like, you know, nothing's even happened. So people are still renting and it's, you know, once we hit that kind of level where like, if you don't get any rentals in a week or two weeks or three weeks, then you kind of know you might've hit the top. But as of right now, I don't, I don't think we've, we've hit the top yet. That's for sure. Are you guys utilizing like uh, for advertisement, things like Sparefoot uh, tools like that? Or where are you guys advertising the units once they become vacant? Yeah. So we're, we're doing um, like Google my business and just, okay. you know, we're, we're ranking you know, putting a lot of focus in on that, trying to work on the SEO. Um, like the old owner had a good, um, you know, Google my business, good, not great. So we're just implementing that starting to get, you know, on the, on the first page of that. And really it's, that that's kind of all we're using to this point. So we haven't needed to, and we have a wait list of I think seven or eight people and people that, you know, how many people we know we're turning away because we don't have inventory online. But. And so when DJ and I, we were looking at some storage facilities, we were looking at like this management piece, one storage facility we were looking at, it was super tiny. It was only like 12,000 square feet or something like that. Maybe 20, it was about a year and a half ago. And the problem we kept running into is we couldn't, there, the property wasn't big enough to sustain a full-time worker or even part-time for that. Like someone to man the desk, man the office and really help people get moved in. So I found a, uh, a really good management software, easy storage solutions. Um, and that seemed to meet, check a lot of the boxes. You know, it communicates with your kiosk, it communicates with your gate. They have a call service and really everything is automated through this website, depend, depending on what you want to sign up for. What are you guys currently using um, as management software to keep track of that? Yeah. So we use ESS, um, you know, there's, there's other ones too, but so far so good. It just integrates and talks to a lot of the things that we do. 
we'll talk to our our gate and that sort of stuff when when we implement that. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, there's kind of an economies of scale um, piece that you know once you get to certain square footage, you can kind of have a, a call center and a boots on the ground, um, and and it makes sense. Or if you start to acquire more facilities, you can kind of have like a an asset manager, I guess, to kind of make make it make sense. But yeah, it's there's a, not a whole lot of moving pieces, and you can kind of systematize the process once you kind of get in it. Um, and, and there's kind of the rule of thumb that it's, you know, for every dollar you get to, you know, it's kind of a rule of thumb, but get to keep 70 cents and about 30% of it is, is, uh, you know, kind of the expense piece of it. Yeah. The expense ratio for storage is definitely a lot less than apartments, so to speak. So apartments are going to fluctuate mm-hmm. anywhere from like that 35 to 50, maybe 55% where storage seems to hover below 40% is what I've noticed when I'm analyzing these properties. So another benefit of storage is just, it's a low expense ratio, which is great. Um, for that office space that you're talking about, and eventually you guys want to put up boots on the ground or a staff member in there, are you going to start uh, selling like locks, boxes, tape, all that good stuff out of that space? Or is there not really room to utilize that? Um, there would be room, but I think that's just kind of another uh, management piece. Like we're currently like with our lock fee, we're, we're providing a $5 lock and essentially we're, we're charging a $20 lock and setup fee. So we're kind of monetizing that. And we already are like, we put the, the the disc lock inside the unit, and then we close the the unit, and then we use that Da Vinci code. Um, so it just yeah, makes it more streamlined. And yeah, but yeah, in terms of like boxes and stuff, I don't know. To this point, I, I doubt we'll do that, but you never know. Right. And do you guys have like really good signage where you guys get a lot of business from just kind of drive-bys, or is it more ad-driven, like you guys were saying, like Google My Business? I think Google My Business is big. Uh, it's a small town, uh, but it's right on a main main drag. I mean, there's just traffic just going by it. You know, it's the main main piece of you know pavement through the entire uh, you know town. So that's we get a lot of foot traffic and just people driving by, which is good. Yeah, I mean, it always amazes me how much stuff people have. It's just it's just crazy. And um, I was just watching a, a uh, an investor summit. And one of the guys, the speaker was just saying, he's like storage, like what a great asset class. He's like, Americans just have so much crap. And he's like, raise your hand if you rent out a storage unit and like a quarter of the crowd raised it. And he's like, keep your hand up. You can't even remember what's in it. And like half of those people kind of kept their hand up because they just, it's just so much stuff. And I had a buddy over uh, last week and we were just talking and he said he was getting ready to move down, uh, down to Florida and he's like, yeah, we've got a storage facility. We haven't been in there in years. He's like, I don't even know what we're going to find in there. He's like, we just, we've just had it and stuff's in there. So it's just kind of the, uh, the, the model, I guess, for self-storage. Yeah. It's like some people, it's just kind of like a set, set it and forget it. You know, it's like some people don't want to throw out Billy's bowling, you know, sneakers and bowling ball and, you know, they pay thousands of dollars and it, yeah, it's for me, it was like a mindset shift. So I'm like, I've never used a storage facility. I, I'm not really accustomed to it, but there is so mm-hmm. many people that, that use it. There's businesses that use it. I mean, there's just a, lo- a lot of different clientele and uh, there's definitely a demand in the consumer kind of uh, environment that we're in, you know, in the United States. Yeah. So uh, unique aspects about this facility. Is there anything, uh, it seems like every real estate deal we evaluate or get into or, or look at, there's always something unique. Uh, and also you have to talk about snow removal. Yes. For, for yeah. our listeners that are not in the Northeast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So snow removal is, is definitely, you know, we're actually, we're, like I said, we're going to work on a gate in the, or a fence rather around the whole property. So we're trying to, you know, figure out 
how we can do that and not, you know, ruin the gates with snow plowing, but yeah, snow plowing, that's, that's a added expense and just something you need to factor uh, in regards to something unique about this deal. So it came with uh, a duplex, you know, that we're not too, like, I've never even been inside it. We never met the tenants, but it's just kind there of like one of those, yeah, <laughs> one of those things we, we didn't want it. Um, but like it, you know, like if the storage facility, if you're looking at it, it's on the left, the duplex is all the way on the right of our property. So we could have an in and out entrance down the road because it's an older farmhouse, but it's, yeah, making money and we'll, we'll leave it alone, but could have an in and out for when we expand. But yeah, it's, a duplex wasn't really what I'm looking to get, but it was kind of came with the deal and we'll, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah. So it, kind of touching on the snow removal aspect is uh, DJ, if you remember that one deal that we put an offer in on 31, they actually, they had like this drainage easement at the back of the rows. So if you kind of looking at a bird's eye view, you had each row of, 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 uh, of uh, units. And then at the end here, it kind of had a like drainage drop off. So they actually had a fence that swung open the uh, in the back and it had a drop off. So that way they can mm-hmm. open the fence and just push the snow right off into the drainage center and then shut it, which I thought was creative. And very smart. Was, yep. it, it was very smart. And when I was going to look at comps, um, one storage facility I, I looked at actually, instead of the gate, just kind of cutting across, they actually had at the end of each row, little rivets out so they can actually plow right into where uh, those rivets were. Um, so that was, that was pretty creative as well. Um, mm, so hopefully that helps. You yeah, definitely want to yeah plan your fence design around it. And uh, bollards are a good thing because they don't get covered up. Whereas curbs end up being snow plow targets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're working through that. So I might circle back around with you, Dante, to <laughs> pick your brain a little more. Yeah. More than happy to show you those designs. Um, are you guys asphalt or gravel there? So half of the, uh, I guess I'd say probably 30,000 square feet of it's on asphalt. And then the, the other, you know, 10, 20,000 square feet is uh, on pavement or uh, uh, stones rather. So um, we're going to try to see if once we finish our build out, if it makes sense to, you know, finish pave, finish paving pave everything, off everything just yeah. to make it, you know, better and, and more efficient. So, yeah, um, it, it always seems like when you get a full pavement going, especially up here, it, it's going to, A, it's going to look cleaner no matter where it is. B, plowing, it's going to be a lot easier. And, and mm-hmm. also as silly as it sounds, drainage or puddles. So if you get that right, you don't have those uh, little uh, bird baths kind of sitting around <laughs> in, in the gravel. So things like that. Um, so people, I always get this question whenever I'm talking about storage with a, a multifamily or real estate guy, they're always saying, well, okay, if someone's not paying kind of what's the, what's the process there? So Chris, let's say someone's in there, they're not paying their uh, monthly rent for the facility. What are the steps you guys are usually taking for that? Yeah. So actually my business partners, the one that kind of handles that. And uh, I, I don't really know the whole process, but I do know it's, it's lien laws. You have to, um, you know, I think it's, if you don't pay 30 days, you can then send out a certified letter. You got to post it in the, the you know newspaper. And then I think there's X amount of days where you have to hold it and then think, call it 60, 90, 120 days. You can cut the lock and, and sell it. And obviously don't, don't quote me on those timeframes, but I, it's within that when, when you can kind of get out and, you know, re-rent the unit. So a lot better than those regular holdover evictions, right? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's frankly, for me, you know, us being in New York, that was one of the things where I'm like, man, this yeah. with, with the eviction moratorium and just not being able to, if there's a non-paying tenant to get them out of the property, it's just, 
burdensome and, and you know in, in New York it's hard to cash flow properties to begin with so um, but yeah so so that that was one of the appeals for me is the you know lean laws for sure yeah definitely and like I the property that DJ and I are getting ready to close on here uh, there was two tenants that were significantly behind in rent and so we you know we had a great open dialogue with the current management and we just said hey if you guys can file the eviction on these tenants. That way, when we go to take over, we don't have to go through the full process. And so we're getting ready to close, I believe, this Friday. So I just followed up with the management company and our current management company. Hey, you know, what's the current status of those two evictions? I'd like to get moved along so we don't have to reset the process. And this is North Carolina. So right now in New York, you have the eviction moratorium. No one's getting out right now. And where we are in North Carolina, got an email this morning. One of the tenants is already out. The unit's vacant. So when you guys move in, all you have to do is a minor turn because it's a renovated unit. So oh, just perfect. Exactly. You know, depending on states you're in, it's really going to matter how much control you have over the asset. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No question. So let's head over to our next section of the show called the curious cues. So Chris, I think you did this once, but for people that haven't heard, we'll have you do it again. So we're going to throw some questions at you that we ask all of our guests and go from there. Sound good? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. First question we have, favorite podcast you enjoy listening to? Um, fair podcast. I would say, it, uh, when I first started with bigger pockets, cause I just was a sponge and soaked that up. Um, yep, I would us. say it would, would be, um, AJ Osborne's, you know, self storage income podcast and, you know, whatever other, you know, self storage podcasts, there's great info. And yeah, I mean, shoot five, six months ago, I started listening to his podcast, didn't know a whole lot about storage and fast forward. I was just on his, his podcast and, you know, know, a lot of information and stuff that he shared. So I'd say, AJ's podcast for sure. There you go. AJ was our first guest we ever had on this podcast. He's a great guy and he's just real good to connect with. Definitely uh, harder to get in touch with him these days just because of how popular he's gotten and how you know big he is. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, great, great guy. Um, how about favorite book you enjoy reading? Favorite book? Um, yeah, I'm reading a, a few good ones, but I'd say I read one. It was uh, Tim Grover winning. It was uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's, you know, performance coach. That was just great on, on mindset. Um, and I'd say uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. That was another one on, on mindset. I'm a big professional development kind of uh, nerd. So those books are definitely good to push the human potential. That's for sure. There you go. And I'll, I'll kind of throw one in there just because the topic we're on. So uh, Paul Moore, he's on Bigger Pockets a lot. He's a big self-storage guy with Wellington uh, Advisors or Wellington Capital, I should say. He just sent me his book. It is uh, Storing Up Profits. So it's a self-storage book he just put out on Bigger Pockets. Um, he sent me a copy. He'll be on the show talking about that soon. So if anyone's listening, uh, Storing Up Profits is a good one on self-storage. Check that out. Um, and Chris, you too, if you haven't read it, check it out. Maybe you'll learn something new yeah. in the storage business. Absolutely. Uh, Biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome? Uh, biggest hurdle, I think, for me was the mindset piece of it. You know, it was, you know, you hit, you hit, or at least I did anyways, you hit, you had the highs, the highest highs, low lows, um, and just being able to overcome the mindset, uh, having the right mindset, surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, yeah, so I'd say the mindset was, was the biggest hurdle for me, for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely a big, big piece. And I was actually just kind of tweeting about this the other day. The mindset piece was like in 2019, I was super nervous to leave my W-2 job. And it was just like this mindset. I was like, I don't want to do it. I have all the security and everything. And my 
my soon to be wife at that time, who is now my wife, she was like, listen, babe, you're doing a great job. You should just leave, go into real estate full time. And after I did that, my income more than quadrupled, but it was that mindset piece really taking that jump. So that's huge. Right. Favorite non-real estate related hobby. What do you like doing in your free time? Um, yeah. So for me, it's uh, spending time with uh, my wife and, and daughter, uh, family, friends, um, really enjoy Bills, Buffalo Bills football, you know, but really just, just love being around family, friends, you know, creating the, the time and space and, and real estate, you know, storage specifically has given me now the time to, to really, once we get a few more, take a step way back and just, just do what I want when I want travel and, and just uh, enjoy life. It's, it's short. That's for sure. I love it. Uh, tough night for you last night with the bills, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm still, still crying over it. It was, uh, it was tough. We need the second, second half bills to show up and I think we'll be all right, but yeah, yeah exactly. Brady did it again. Just that, that pass right at the end there really sealed the deal. It was, it's amazing. <laughs> 20, 20 years that's been happening to us, but what do you, what are you going to do? Yeah. I was, I was sitting with my, my, uh, father-in-law and we were watching it and he was like, out of, I've watched football my whole life and he's in his late fifties and he's like, and Brady is by far the best football player I've ever watched. It's just like, yeah. it's, it's true. He just, and yep. he looks younger every year. I swear he looks better and better. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, it's incredible. I'm a huge bills fan season ticket holder, but he, I mean, he is just on another level and the greatest of all time. And yeah, what he's doing at 44 is just, it's, it's never been done before. Exactly. Well, see so a little bit of real estate, self-storage and football talk here. You got to love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, Chris, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get started? Uh, particularly, let's talk in the self-storage realm. So what steps should they be taking to start in self-storage, not just real estate as a whole? Yeah, I'd say, I guess my, my advice would be to figure out, create a vision of what you want your life to look like, because I, I didn't really create that or I'm kind of a ready fire aim person. And I, thought I wanted to flip 12, 24 houses and kind of build this big empire, you know, residentially. Um, but I, you know, when I got in, I'm like, this isn't the lifestyle I wanted to live. So I quickly realized I, you know, kind of had to shift and, and make a pivot. But then also I, I'd say, you know, follow, you know, success leaves clues. So follow someone that, that's, that's doing what you're doing and implement what they're doing or join them or surround yourself with people. You know, there's a saying, you're the average of the five people you hang around with. Um, so just to surround yourself with people that are successful in doing what you want to do, you know, never, you know, continuous improvement and growth and learning. And, you know, you can, you can accomplish whatever you want. It's just, what are you willing to, to give up and how hard are you willing to work? Definitely. And that business plan, it, it does, it, it pivots at times. Like you were saying, you're going to build up this residential empire. And I was the same way. I started buying a bunch of houses on this one particular street. And I was like, I'm literally going to buy the whole neighborhood and just transform it and bring it up. And that's what I was doing. And the mindset, the business plan changed and, and moved over. Kind of like how you've switched to the dark side of self-storage, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? Right. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's, it, it's like the, the corridor principle, right? You, you start, you open one door and then you go down it and so many other doors open, but you, you'll never have that insider context if you don't get started. And it's like, you're fail forward. Don't, don't, you know, like I've made mistakes, continue to make mistakes, but you know, you just gotta, gotta get in it and, and surround yourself with those people and make those mistakes, frankly, and keep on going forward. Yeah. I love it. Well, Chris, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to come back on the show. Talk to us about this storage deal you did. If you don't mind just taking a quick minute, letting the listeners know if they want to pick your brain or get in contact with you, how can they get hold of you? 
Yeah, um, probably best would be Instagram. It's just Chris uh, Flips Rock, so C-H-R-I-S Flips Rock, R-O-C. Uh, you know, reach out. Uh, I share and document my, uh, you know, w- what I'm doing, uh, all my stories and reach out, love to help in any way I can. And um, so IG would be the best. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on and we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.